Section 53 of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The World Story, Volume 12, The United States. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 53 The Mysterious Champion of Hadley. 1675 by sir walter scott during king philip's war the little town of hadley was surprised and attacked in the following extract from peveril of the peak bridge north one of the characters tells the traditional story of the appearance of the mysterious leader the editor there i remained for a time during the wars which the colony maintained with philip a great indian chief or sachem as they were called who seemed a messenger sent from satan to buffet them his cruelty was great his dissimulation profound and the skill and promptitude with which he maintained a destructive and desultory warfare inflicted many dreadful calamities on the settlement I was by chance at a small village in the woods, footnote, Hadley, and a footnote, more than thirty miles from Boston, and in its situation exceedingly lonely, and surrounded with thickets. Nevertheless, there was no idea of any danger from the Indians at that time, for men trusted to the protection of a considerable body of troops who had taken the field for protection of the frontiers, and who lay, or were supposed to lie, betwixt the hamlet and the enemy's country. But they had to do with a foe whom the devil himself had inspired at once with cunning and cruelty. It was on a Sabbath morning when we had assembled to take sweet counsel together in the lord's house our temple was but constructed of wooden logs but when shall the chant of trained hirelings or the sounding of tin and brass tubes amid the aisles of a minster arise so sweetly to heaven as did the psalm in which we united at once our voices and our hearts an excellent worthy who now sleeps in the lord nehemiah soul's grace long the companion of my pilgrimage had just begun to wrestle in prayer when a woman with disordered locks and dishevelled hair entered our chapel in a distracted manner screaming incessantly the indians the indians in that country no man dares separate himself from his means of defence and whether in the city or in the field in the ploughed land or the forest men keep beside them their weapons as did the jews at the rebuilding of the temple so we sallied forth with our guns and pikes and heard the whoop of these incarnate devils already in possession of a part of the town and exercising their cruelty on the few whom weighty causes or indisposition had withheld from public worship and it was remarked as a judgment that upon that bloody sabbath adrian hansen a dutchman a man well enough disposed towards man but whose mind was altogether given to worldly gain was shot and scalped as he was summing his weekly gains in his warehouse in fine there was much damage done and although our arrival and entrance into combat did in some sort put them back yet being surprised and confused and having no appointed leader of our band the devilish enemy shot hard at us and had some advantage 
It was pitiful to hear the screams of women and children amid the report of guns and the whistling of bullets mixed with the ferocious yells of these savages, which they term their war-whoop. Several houses in the upper part of the village were soon on fire, and the roaring of the flames and crackling of the great beams as they blazed added to the horrible confusion, while the smoke which the wind drove against us gave farther advantage to the enemy, who fought, as it were, invisible and under cover, whilst we fell fast by their unerring fire." In this state of confusion, and while we were about to adopt the desperate project of evacuating the village, and placing the women and children in the centre, of attempting a retreat to the nearest settlement, it pleased heaven to send us unexpected assistance. A tall man, of a reverend appearance, whom no one of us had ever seen before, suddenly was in the midst of us, as we hastily agitated the resolution of retreating. His garments were of the skin of the elk, and he wore a sword and carried gun. I never saw anything more august than his features, overshadowed by locks of grey hair, which mingled with a long beard of the same colour. "'Men and brethren,' he said, in a voice like that which turns back the flight, "'why sink your hearts, and why are you thus disquieted? Fear ye that the God we serve will give you up to yonder heathen dogs?' Follow me, and you shall see this day that there is a captain in Israel. He uttered a few brief but distinct orders, in the tone of one who was accustomed to command, and such was the influence of his appearance, his mien, his language, and his presence of mind, that he was implicitly obeyed by men who had never seen him until that moment. We were hastily divided by his orders into two bodies, one of which maintained the defense of the village with more courage than ever, convinced that the unknown was sent by God to our rescue. At his command they assumed the best and most sheltered positions for exchanging their deadly fire with the Indians, while under cover of the smoke the stranger sallied from the town at the head of the other division of the New England men and fetching a circuit, attacked the red warriors in the rear. The surprise, as is usual amongst savages, had complete effect, for they doubted not that they were assailed in their turn, and placed betwixt two hostile parties by the return of a detachment from the provincial army. The heathen fled in confusion, abandoning the half-won village, and leaving behind them such a number of their warriors that the tribe hath never recovered its loss. Never shall I forget the figure of our venerable leader, when our men, and not they only, but the women and children of the village, rescued from the tomahawk and scalping knife, stood crowded around him, yet scarce venturing to approach his person, and more minded, perhaps, to worship him as a descended angel than to thank him as a fellow-mortal. Not unto me be the glory, he said, I am but an implement, frail as yourselves, in the hand of him who is strong to deliver. Bring me a cup of water that I may allay my parched throat, ere I essay the task of offering thanks where they are most due. I was nearest to him as he spoke, and I gave into his hand the water he requested. 
at that moment we exchanged glances and it seemed to me that i recognized a noble friend whom i had long since deemed in glory but he gave me no time to speak had speech been prudent sinking on his knees and signing us to obey him he poured forth a strong and energetic thanksgiving for the turning back of the battle which pronounced with a voice loud and clear as a war-trumpet thrilled through the joints and marrow of the hearers i have heard many an act of devotion in my life had heaven vouchsafed me grace to profit by them but such a prayer as this uttered amid the dead and the dying with a rich tone of mingled triumph and adoration was beyond them all it was like the song of the inspired prophetess who dwelt beneath the palm-tree between ramah and bethel he was silent and for a brief space we remained with our heads bent to the earth no man daring to lift his head at length we looked up but our deliverer was no longer amongst us, nor was he ever again seen in the land which he had rescued. Here, Bridgenorth, who had told this singular story with an eloquence and vivacity of detail very contrary to the usual dryness of his conversation, paused for an instant and then resumed, Thou seest, young man, that men of valour and discretion are called forth to command in circumstances of national exigence, though their very existence is unknown in the land which they are predestined to deliver. But what thought the people of the mysterious stranger, said Julian, who had listened with eagerness, for the story was of a kind interesting to the youthful and the brave? many things answered bridgenorth and as usual little to the purpose the prevailing opinion was notwithstanding his own disclamation that the stranger was really a supernatural being others believed him an inspired champion transported in the body from some distant climate to show us the way to safety Others, again, concluded that he was a recluse, who, either from motives of piety or other cogent reasons, had become a dweller in the wilderness, and shunned the face of man. "'And, if I may presume to ask,' said Julian, "'to which of these opinions were you disposed to adhere?' The last suited best with the transient, though close view with which I had perused the stranger's features— replied bridgenorth for although i dispute not that it may please heaven on high occasions even to raise one from the dead in defence of his country yet i doubted not then as i doubt not now that i looked on the living form of one who had indeed powerful reasons to conceal him in the cleft of the rock are these reasons a secret asked julian peveril not properly a secret, replied Bridgenorth, for I fear not thy betraying what I might tell thee in private discourse. And besides, wert thou so base, the prey lies too distant for any hunters to whom thou couldst point out its traces. But the name of this worthy will sound harsh in thy ear on account of one action of his life, being his accession to a great measure, which made the extreme isles of the earth to tremble." "'Have you never heard of Richard Whaley?' "'Of the regicide?' exclaimed Peveril, starting. "'Call his act what thou wilt,' 
said Bridgenorth, he was not less the rescuer of that devoted village, that, with other leading spirits of the age, he sat in the judgment seat when Charles Stuart was arraigned at the bar, and subscribed the sentence that went forth upon him. "'I have ever heard,' said Julian, in an altered voice, and colouring deeply, "'that you, Master Bridgenorth, with the other Presbyterians, were totally averse to that detestable crime, and were ready to have made joint cause with the Cavaliers in preventing so horrible a parricide.' "'If it were so,' replied Bridgenorth, "'we have been richly rewarded by his successor.' "'Rewarded!' exclaimed Julian. "'Does the distinction of good and evil, and our obligation to do the one and forbear the other, depend on the reward which may attach to our actions?' "'God forbid,' answered Bridgenorth. "'Yet those who view the havoc which this house of Stuart have made in the church and state, the tyranny which they exercise over men's persons and consciences,' may well doubt whether it be lawful to use weapons in their defence yet you hear me not praise or even vindicate the death of the king though so far deserved as he was false to his oath as a prince and magistrate i only tell you what you desire to know that richard Whalley, one of the late king's judges was he of whom i have just been speaking I knew his lofty brow, though time had made it balder and higher. His grey eye retained all its lustre, and though the grizzled beard covered the lower part of his face, it prevented me not from recognising him. The scent was hot after him for his blood, but by the assistance of those friends whom heaven had raised up for his preservation, he was concealed carefully, and emerged only to do the will of providence in the matter of that battle. Perhaps his voice may be heard in the field once more, should England need one of her noblest hearts. Now, God forbid, said Julian. End of section 53 This recording is in the public domain.